for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. All right, did you bring a Bible this morning? All right, if you weren't here last week, we're basically going to continue on from what we were talking about is growing up. Say, grow up. Grow up. I mean, you can grow up into things of the Spirit or you can stay stationary and not go anyway. Well, last week we started talking about you growing up. You'll probably need that to go along with this one. You may not, you may, but it's back there if you want it. And since it was so good from all the reports I got it, we're going to sell it for $125 a piece. No, I'm just kidding you. I wrote $4 or something back there. I don't even know what they charge back there, praise God. $3, $3. Do I hear four? Do I hear four? Oh, I thought you were bidding. I didn't know you were giving a, geez, oh, thought you were bidding it up. All right, take your Bibles, go to John's Gospel, chapter 1. Father, we thank you for your word again this morning. Father, we thank you for wisdom and revelation, knowledge in your word. We thank you for opening our eyes up to what you want us to see and how you want to make the changes in our lives that we can adjust to being more and more in right standing with you. Father, we want to seek first your kingdom, to extend your kingdom, to bring your kingdom into other people's lives and to totally set them free. We thank you for your word that's full of power and full of authority and full of anointing, Father, and we thank you that it changes our spirit, soul, and body as we hear it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Okay, John chapter 1. Look at verse 12 again. It says, But as many as received him, talking about Jesus, to them he gave power, that word there actually is exousia, which is authority. Say authority. He gave them authority to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now notice, when you were born again, basically you were born in the kingdom of God, is what the Bible calls a child of God. But when you became a child of God, he gave you something called authority. Say authority. authority. Remember Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God gave to mankind authority to have dominion here on the earth. Adam lost that authority. Jesus got that authority back for you, and when you got born again, you got that authority back. Say, I've got it. I got that authority back. Thanks to Jesus. And we use authority to cast out devils. We use authority for all this stuff. But notice, there's a lot of different reasons why you have authority. And one of the main reasons is so that you grow up to be or live like a son of God. We found out last week, what does the son of God do? He destroys the works of the devil. It doesn't say a child of God does that. What's the difference between a child and a son? A son is stable. Say stable. Stable. I just got to take a breath when I say that. Stable. People need to be stable in the kingdom of God. And if you're on the word of God, you will be stable. Why? Because the word never changes. Now, what is a child? Someone who's tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by good days, by bad days. I feel good. I don't feel good. Somebody got mad at me. Somebody didn't get mad at me. Up and down, over and under, up and down, until you wear yourself out, basically. You want to move out of the childhood stage because it's not a real good lifestyle in the spirit for you to do that. So all of us should be desiring to grow up, say grow up, and become stable in the things of God. Praise God. All right, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. All right, 2 Timothy chapter 3, look at verse 15. It says, And that from a babe or a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man or the woman of God may be 
perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all what? Good works. Now, how many? That's, that's good, isn't it? That gives you something to look forward to here. Look at verse 15 again. And that from a child or a baby thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation. Say wise. wise. Say wise unto salvation. Now, if you can become wise unto salvation, it can also mean you can be stupid. Come on, according to salvation. And the church has been led to be stupid about salvation because basically you're born again, going to heaven, that's it. That's all you really need to know. Have you received Jesus? Yes, I received Jesus. I'm born again. Then you're going to heaven. But notice, there's more to your salvation than just an eternal destiny change to go to heaven. There are things that change. Here he says through the scriptures, you can become wise unto your salvation. What is salvation? It's basically healing, it's deliverance, it's safety, it's soundness, it's wholeness, it's preservation. It's basically living like heaven on the earth that God has already promised us to do. Now, if you do not become wise unto your salvation, everything that you do in your Christian life will not be wise to do. You understand? You'll pray prayers that really aren't worth praying. You'll talk things that aren't worth saying. You'll think things that are stupid. You'll live stupid because you don't know you're not wise about your salvation. Well, I just believe God's going to put the flu on me again this year to teach me something. How many know that's being unwise about your salvation? I think God allowed me to get ran over and break my leg just to teach me patience. How many know that's not? What is that? That's people are not wise under their salvation. Yes, they're going to heaven when they die, but they've not grown up in the things of the Lord to understand what God wants to do and what he doesn't want to do. Look at verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through what? Great. Through what? Great. All right, now if we're going to grow, it's not going to be by your efforts, it's going to be by faith. So what am I going to do? I am going to believe what the word says about me, what it says about my situation, what it says about my circumstance. I'm not going to try to refine myself I'm not going to try to get sin out of my life. I'm not going to fight against anger and all these things in my life. I'm simply going to believe who I am, and by believing who I am, I'll eliminate those things in my life. Are you following me? Notice, once you agree with God, you release the anointing that's on the inside of you. As long as you're not in agreement with God, no anointing is going to come out of the inside of you because God only blesses agreement with him. So once I come into a place where I read in the Bible and I was taught all my life that I'm a sinner saved by grace, and I went there and all at once it says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I thought, my God, that had to be a misprint. So I went to the next one, and it said the same thing. I am the righteousness of God. So the one day it said, I don't care what I look like. I don't care what people think I am. I don't care what anything. I care what he says. I know who I am, and I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And when I agreed with God, all at once, the anointing to live a righteous life through the Holy Ghost on the inside of me enabled me to live a righteous life. Are you following me? Now, before that, people are out there all the time. I'm not going to get angry anymore. I'm not going to commit adultery anymore. I'm not going to sin anymore. It'll never work for you because you do not have power in your own strength over these things. They come by faith in who God says you are. That's why that new song we sing, I know it's got a good jive and, and Latasha loves it and it's got a good thing. But also, it's got a good message. When you start knowing who you are, you'll start living who you are. When you find out that the Bible tells you you're anointed, and you actually believe it and start talking it, the anointing on the inside of you will go to work to bring to pass what you're believing and growing up in the things of God. Are you following me? So basically, growth comes through faith. Say through faith. All right, let's look at it. Verse 16, how much scripture is given by inspiration of God? Just, just, not just the parts we like? 
No. All scripture is given of inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Now, what is doctrine? Doctrine is basically what you believe. How many know we all have a little different doctrine in here? Because we all believe something different. But you will believe basically who you listen to. So if you're in a church that says tongues are of the devil and they're no good and they're not going to work for you and they're no good, you're going to believe that tongues are of the devil. That's going to be your doctrine. Are you following me? If you believe that healing's no longer of today, that when Jesus left, healing went by the wayside, then you're going to believe that healing's not for today and your doctrine's going to be that healing's no good anymore. But if you're under somebody who believes in tongues, under somebody who believes in miracles, under somebody who believes in healing, under somebody who believes in redemption, under somebody who believes in all these things, sooner or later that doctrine's going to get you and how's it going to get me? Let me show you your favorite here. Reproof and correction. Reproof and correction. In other words, you're going to get corrected quite a bit. And many times if you won't listen to the word, God will send us somebody. He will send us thou a messenger to impart the word to you so that you make a th- correction. Not because he's mad at you, not because he doesn't want, he wants you to break through and grow up in the things of God and act like a son of God. He wants to take back this earth, praise God. He owns it, but he wants to take back this world system. And in order to do that, he's got to get you in reproof and correction. I come to a place where I love correction in the Bible. And sometimes you read a scripture, read a scripture, read a scripture, then a year later you read the thing and think, how could I have been so stupid? <laughs> Not to see that in that scripture when I read it a hundred times. It's underlined. It's in orange. It's got a star by it. It's got everything there. And I've got basically nothing out of the thing. Why is that? Because you've grown into a place now where new revelation comes. Come on. That's when people say, well, I took the healing class 12 years ago. Well, God bless you. Let me write it down. I'll send you some kind of certificate. That ain't going to help you now. Do you see? You've grown from where you were 12 years ago to now, and when you hear healing again, it's going to mean a lot different thing to you than it did when you were a baby in the things of God. So listening to the same tape or the same sermon or the same note over and over again is not bad for you. It's good for you. I read that book. Well, read it again. Hallelujah. There's still some stuff in there. I mean, I'm reading books that I've read three, four, five, six, seven, eight times, and I'll read one now, and I don't even think I read the thing before. Either that or somebody came in and rewrote it. Why is that? Because you've grown into a different place. There's a greater understanding. It's like a seed planted. It grows a little bit at a time. And when you read it, you get further revelation. And you get further revelation. And you get further revelation. But notice that's going to be reproof and correction. And notice, correction for instruction in what? Righteousness. Right alignment with God. Right living for God. Right living in the area of God. So instruction is going to become wherever I'm learning and going out of the direction of God, this word will bring me back into it. And it'll bring me back into it. Sometimes you read the Bible after you've read it for a while, and you say, oh, my gosh, I forgot that. Oh, my gosh, I forgot that, too. I knew that, but now I forgot that, too. Why? Because it's got to continually wash your mind because of the world and everything going in it. So we want to grow. Say, I want to grow. Here's where I want to be, verse 17. I want to be the man of God that's perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. How many know it's possible? He didn't put that in there just to tease us. It's possible for each and every one of us to come into that place, but it comes through growth. Say growth. All right, I go to Ephesians chapter 1. Growth is of the Holy Ghost. Growth is through the Word, but you still have a responsibility in your growth. And I want to show you one of the major responsibilities that most people in the church today are not growing because they do not know this. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 11. Talking about Christ, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. Once you were born again, it says, in whom also we have obtained. Say, have obtained. 
Say it again. Have obtained. Now, most Christians believe they have obtained because they got born again, and when they die and get to heaven, they're going to get everything that they ever wanted. But it's not talking about when you die and go to heaven. It's talking about you having an inheritance right now. It's not talking about you hoping to have an inheritance, wishing to obtain an inheritance, trying to obtain an inheritance. It says you have an inheritance. Say, I have an inheritance. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 1. Even each and every one of us in here, we have parents, and maybe let's just say we're an only child. As an only child, when they die, we get an inheritance from them, if they have anything. We get an inheritance from them. You don't get the inheritance from them when you die. You get the inheritance from it when they die. So we get the inheritance in spiritual things when somebody died and now was raised from the dead. So your inheritance is already available to you right now. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers of the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of how many things? How many things? How many? No, that's a lot of things. Notice, he appointed him the heir of how many things? All things. All right. Now, if you read further in the Bible, you will find out that once you were born again, you became a joint heir with Christ Jesus. So if Christ Jesus has inherited all things, you have inherited. See, it doesn't say co-heir. It doesn't say we're going to divide everything up. It says you have become a joint heir with Christ Jesus. So do I have healing? Yes. Do I have peace? Yes. Do I have joy? Yes. Do I have an anointing? Yes. Do I have authority? Yes. I have all these things. It's my inheritance that came from God and came to me when I got born into the family of God. I am now a joint heir. Say joint heir. Now, how am I going to find out? Oh, I get this inheritance. How am I going to find out what it is? Hallelujah. How am I going to do that? Read the will. Right? You got to read the will. Ever read the Bible? No, I didn't read it. You know what your inheritance is? Inheritance. I didn't even know I inherited anything. See, people, because of that, then they, they want to get themselves in a mess, make wrong decisions, then blame God. God gets a lot of blame. I don't know if you know it or not. I mean, I'm glad he's more patient than I am. Come on. I'm just saying what he wants the best for each and every person there, praise God. But he wants us to grow up, and that's done through holy scriptures that are inspired by God and by reading the word of God for correction and reproof. You're going to grow up, and you're going to find out what your inheritance is. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 1 again. Most of the prayers that I hear in the body of Christ are prayers for things that people already inherited. In other words, I go, oh, Lord, give me joy. You got it. Give me peace. Oh, please anoint me. You're anointed. See, all these things have already been given to us. So how am I going to receive them? Faith. If the word says I'm anointed, then bless God, I'm anointed. Well, you don't look anointed. I don't care what I look like. The Bible says I'm anointed. You don't have a goose bump. I don't care. Maybe if I believe I'm anointed, I'll get one sooner or later, praise God. But I'm going to believe it. So what am I doing? I'm going from faith to faith to faith to faith and growing up without my own efforts. My only efforts is believing. Say believing. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 17. This is Paul's prayer. This is powerful. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory 
of his inheritance is in the saints. So what's Paul saying? He's not praying, please give my church an inheritance. Give the people that I've brought in the kingdom of God, give them the inheritance. Oh, Lord, please. No, he's saying, I'm praying that you get a clue of what happened to you when you got born again and received this wonderful inheritance from God. Notice it's his inheritance. Say his inheritance. How many know his inheritance now is your inheritance, according to the Bible? And notice it's his calling, not yours. Now, there's where we lose a lot of people, ain't it? Because everybody wants to go to God and pray that God would bless their calling. Your calling better be his calling. There's going to be no blessing to it, you see. That's why you spend time growing up in God, finding out what he wants you to do, and doing what he wants you to do. So here it says, basically, he wants you to know the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Notice verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power that he's holding up in heaven until you sing, rain, rain, come on down and anoint me? Is that what it says? No, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, word who? Believe. Well, what, what kind of power is it? Well, let me tell you. According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named not only in this world, but also in the world to come. And he's put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the folds of him that is him. How many know that's good news? That's the power I've got on the inside of me today, not tomorrow, not 25 years of class, not this or that. When I got born again on the inside of me came the power of God, the same power, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead on the inside of me. And how come I look at every Christian and don't think they even got a sparkler? <laughs> come on, am I talking truth this morning? You wouldn't think they got anything on the inside of him. Why? Because you can have it without a revelation of it and not how to operate in it. You just got it. And you're going to die and go to heaven someday, and God's going to look at you, and you're going to be saying, I don't know why you didn't do anything, God. You just never helped me out. I kept wanting help, and you never helped me. I wanted power. You didn't give it to me. I want to be, be, be. God's going to say, you had it the whole time. It was part of your inheritance. It was on the inside of you. If you'd read my book, it would have told you that the spirit of wisdom and understanding wanted to show you where you've been raised, where you've been seated, the power of God that's on the inside of you that could have been activated on the inside of you. But you didn't grow up. You were still wanted to remain a baby because you didn't have time to do the things that you needed to do. Praise God. All right, go to Colossians chapter 1. And let me just tell you something. This growth never stops. Oh, I arrived. No, you haven't. You just took the diaper off. You're still on the binky. You're still on the bottle. Hallelujah. All right, Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 12. Well, we've got to go back further now. This is another prayer by Paul. Let's just read the whole thing. Look at verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Now, we read that back in Timothy about being effective in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strength with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience, long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet, that word there is able, has made us able to be partakers of the... Oh, my goodness sakes. Hallelujah. Now I found out I've got an inheritance. I found out it's a good one. I found out that I'm joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But now he tells me I can actually partake of the inheritance that I actually have on the inside of me. I can operate in. I can live in. I can be in that inheritance. And I can receive all these things from God. Hallelujah. And notice once again, they're received how? By faith. Say by faith. faith. All right, go to Galatians chapter 4. Thank God, hallelujah, I've got an inheritance. Oh, it's inheriting all things. Thank you, Jesus. We're joint heirs together. Glory to God. I can partake in it. Oh, I feel so good about it. Thank you, Jesus. 
All right, Galatians chapter 4. Very interesting here. Look at verse 1. Now I say that the heir, who's that? As long as he is a child, he differs nothing from a slave or a servant, although he is Lord of all. But he's under tutors, and he's under managers and governors until the time appointed of the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the... But when the fullness of time was come, God sent his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because we are sons of God, God has sent forth the Spirit of God, crying in our hearts, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you are no more a servant, no more a slave, but you are now a son, and if a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ Jesus. So people that don't grow up are still living as slaves, even though they're masters. Even though they're Lord of all, they're living underneath the world system and the world's things. Why? Because they've never grown up into a place to receive the inheritance that Jesus Christ has provided for each and every one of them. So what is the key? The key is to grow up out of childhood stage into son stage. Hallelujah. All right. Go to, let's go to Joel chapter 3. Now these would be things this morning that I've learned through trial and error. More error than anything else. You can't be afraid to, to do things in God because if you're messing up, he'll tell you. And then you can make an adjustment and you can change things. So this is all part of growing. All right, Joel chapter 3, are you there? Look at verse 14. I believe this is prophetic for today. Multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near in the valley of what? Decision. Notice here it's talking about a valley that people live in, and it's a valley of what? Decisions. Your whole life is based on a series of decisions that you've made since you were born. You are where you're at now because of the decisions you made, that's where you're at. You're married to the spouse you're married to because you made a decision to marry that spouse and that spouse is yours because you made the decision. Are you following me? If you made a decision to eat Twinkies and chips and everything your whole life and sit in front of the TV, then you may be overweight. You can't blame God for that because that came to you through a Come on, are you listening? Through a bunch of decisions that you made, you're in the valley of decisions basically. Now, salvation was made available to you the day that you were born. But you had to make a decision to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, or your salvation was never going to do anything for you. Even though it was provided for you, it came down to decision by you. Authority, basically, we found out last week, is the right to choose, the right to make the choice. So when salvation came along, somebody came and said, hey, you need Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You could either said, yes, I choose to receive him, or no, this is a bunch of hogwash, and I'm not going to do that. But it was up to you, as in the valley of decisions, to make the right choice. When people go to hell, they go to hell because they choose hell. In the valley of decision, they made the wrong decision, praise God. That's all there was to it, and they're going to end up that way. It's not God's fault. You can't blame God. You can't really blame anybody else. Each and every person has an opportunity to either be born again or not be born again. Basically, when I first got saved, and then we got in the church, and we started the church, and we have a, we have a mortgage here, and we got a mortgage there, 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 and a mortgage everywhere. I read a scripture that said, basically, owe no man nothing 
but to love him. And I thought, wow, I'm already well beyond that. <laughs> I owe every man everything, and I still love him. <laughs> Come on, you ever felt that way? But I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have to make a quality decision that I'm deciding right now to do whatever I need to do with the help of God to come completely out of debt. I didn't say, I'd sure like to come out of debt. I'm hoping someday I'm going to get out of debt because I see other people out of debt. And I'm going to be out of debt too and everybody's going to be. No, it took a quality decision for me to finally say, I am going to live debt free no matter what shape we're in right now. I am going to live debt free because God told me to owe no man. Now, I'm not telling you not to borrow. Don't get ahead of me here. I'm telling you what to do in the situation you are right now. You will never get out of the situation or change the situation you're in with not a quality decision from you first. Because it's your authority that releases that power of God to get involved in the situation. And you cannot be wishy-washy. Well, I'd like to be out of debt. I sure, well, you know, it'd be fun to be out of debt. So basically when I made that decision, God started showing me some stuff that we may buy that we didn't need may do some things we didn't need to do and you know at first my wife probably wasn't very happy about it because we were we were cutting back and I just started hitting that debt I treated it like the devil man I treated it just like sickness I get an extra hundred bucks I'm hitting the principal on that man I'm gonna punch that thing in the nose I'm gonna hit it again I'm gonna hit it again why because I made a commitment and then all at once the Holy Ghost rose on the inside of me and started showing me different ways to attack this debt to attack this debt to hit this this here and hit this here the Holy Ghost got involved of it but not until I made a quality decision, basically that is going to be it, and that's it. Notice, there are no losers in the kingdom of God. There are only choosers. Some people choose to lose. Come on. Some people choose to win. I, I dealt with a young girl, you know, recently who basically has two little kids and, and basically she has financial issues. She has a lot of issues. I mean, you know, it's very hard to, to raise two kids all by yourself. It's, it's no picnic to raise one kid. It's no picnic to raise yourself. <laughs> Come on without kids. Am I telling you the truth? Yeah. All right. So basically, and she, and she wanted to blame everything on God. Well, God put me in this situation, and he put me in that situation, and I had this kid, and I had that kid, and it's all part of my growth. And I just said, you know, it's all part of your decisions. He didn't make you, give you, make you go to bed with that guy. Come on now, to have that child. He didn't make you go to bed with that guy, to have that child. And now you've got two children, so instead of blaming God, why not go back and find out that you were stupid and start making some adjustments in your life and start making some right decisions in your life? See, God will meet you right where you're at. It don't matter how dumb you've been over the last 40 years. It don't make any difference to him, praise God, because he wants you to get on the right track because he needs you to do something in this earth realm and it needs to be done by you, praise God. So you've got to make the decision. That's why the Bible says, you choose you this day. Life and death, blessing and curse, you make the choice. It's up to you. Whatever you choose, I'll honor it. Whatever you want to do, praise God, I will honor it. But notice, the choice that you make releases the anointing on the inside of you to complete the work that you declared. Are you listening? It makes a difference. All right, go to Joshua chapter 24. Say, I need to make some decisions. Well, I just believe God's going to do it. No, he ain't going to do it. Do you make a decision and put the anointing to work on the inside of you? Joshua 24, Old Testament. I'll give you some time.
I remember all these Old Testament scriptures will help you live in the kingdom of God, basically, because they're like types and shadows of what your stuff you're going to run into. So, all right, Joshua, did you find it? Yeah. All right, Joshua 24, look at verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers serve that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, here comes a decision, we're going to what? Bless God, Joshua, I don't care what you do. I'll tell you what, I'm going to make a decision right now. I'm going to serve God. I don't care if you serve God. I don't care if anybody else serves God. I don't care what's going on, praise God. And notice, it was not up to God, hear me now, whether anybody else served God. Because he's the only one that made the quality decision. See, if you get in the ministry and you start ministering to people, you're going to run into some people who want to serve God. But then again, you're going to run into some people who really don't want to serve God. And when they don't want to serve God, sometimes it upsets you because you want them. Come on. Come on, because you want them. Are you listening? To serve God. And then you think you can influence. You can't. You can give them the word. You can do whatever. But you cannot get disgusted, busted, and everything else simply because that person has not chosen to make the quality decision that you have made. Are you following me? People say, well, I'd like to live healed. I'd like to live healed. I never want to see the doctor. I'd like to give healed. What are you doing about it? Because once you make the decision of, I'm going to live in divine health, praise God, because it's promised to me, then the Holy Ghost is going to tell you to come to Wednesday nights. Oh, no. Should have never made that decision. Because now I've got to come listen to them stupid healing teachings every week because I want to live. See, as soon as you make the decision, the Holy Ghost is going to enter into your life and he's going to show you ways to fulfill that because he wants you healed more than you want you healed. Because he needs you in every area of your life. When God was speaking to me, one day I just said, praise God, all right. I'm going to pastor, praise God, that's it. You've been tugging and pulling me. I am going to pastor a church, and that's all there is to it. And once I made that decision, all at once, how many know he led me to the word? More and more and more and more. He, he got me some note cards. So I started putting up topics, faith, righteousness, Holy Ghost. I read the Bible every time I came across a Holy Ghost scripture. I'd put it on that note card under Holy Ghost. I'd come to righteous and I'd put under righteous and I'd put under healing and I'd put under healing and I'd put under faith. It took me a long time to read. Do you know that? <laughs> put it under here. Put it under here. Put it under here. What was I doing? I was doing basically fulfilling the call through the power of the Holy Ghost and leading the Holy Ghost because I made a decision. You can't just want to. I'd like to teach and preach someday. Well, keep wanting. See, it'll lead you to do something. It'll lead you to study. It'll lead you to get in the Word. It'll lead you to learn how to loving people because how many know most ministry deals with people? Hallelujah. Not too many monks anymore, praise God. Sometimes you wish God had called you to monkhood, but he has not. <laughs> no, you deal with people, don't you, praise God. So I had to make that decision. I had to make a decision one day. I don't even know. I don't know. I'm going to say this this way because I don't want to see anybody's face. I made a decision that I was going to be on time every single time. No matter what I do or where I go, I'm going to be a person who's right there on time all the time, not going to be late. Because I just figured if you're going to be a pastor, you ought to show up before the service was over. 
Come on, are you following me? I'm not putting anybody down. I'm telling you what I did, see? And once I made that decision, it's not difficult for me to get here on time. It's easy for me to get here on time because the Holy Ghost is involved in my life. He's operating in my life. If the alarm don't go off, he wakes me up. He makes sure I shave and get there and everything else. Why? Because I made a quality decision in my life to do something in my life. And there's quality decisions you make every single day. You make a quality decision. I'm going to read the word tomorrow. Well, then once you made that decision, the Holy Ghost will, well, you know what I'm going to try to do tomorrow? I've got a very busy day, but I think I might try to get in the Bible for a little bit and might pray in tongues twice, and that's about all the time. <laughs> Come on, that's all I've got really time to do, and that's all. I tell you, you'll never do it. If you, if you do not make a decision, are you listening to me? If you do not make a quality decision in line with God to release the anointing on the inside of you, you're not going to get it done in your own. You need the help of the Holy Ghost to do it, praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I've been, holy ah. Uh, I've been mauling around now for the last year and a half. This African pastor will not get off my back. I mean, he calls constantly over and over. In a while, I just quit taking his calls for a while. I should have never got that stupid What's Up app because now he can reach me all the time, praise God. And, and you know, he keeps keep hitting and hitting. And finally, he ended up, he called me on a regular phone. He tricked me. And I answered the phone. It was a regular number. And it was him. I thought, what the heck? And here he flew over for a conference down in the Keys. He's going to hap- happily be here for 12, 14 days, and he's using somebody with an American phone so he could call directly. So I had a chance to talk to him and everything else. And, I mean, finally, I, I figured, you know, I've been thinking about this, praying about this, thinking about this, good things, bad things, all this stuff. I said, I, I really need to make a decision on this. So we hung up. I just called him back, and I said, what? I said, I'll tell you what. I make a decision today. I am going to come to your country. I am going to do whatever you want me to do. He says, good, good. We have 13 pastors here who want to hear the word of God. We don't have the word of God like you got. We're teaching off your emails. He said, most of them are coming off the little emails. If you don't get the emails, see Mary Rose or somebody get on the email thing. There are daily things there. We don't get these things. And I've got 13 pastors in different villages, and I want them to be taught, and I want you to come for a week. I want you to teach straight through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then if it goes real good, he says, I want you to start a college here. I want to start a Bible college here then for all the other pastors that can come in here and do it. And I thought, I ain't flying over there every week, brother. I'll tell you what. <laughs> I checked that flight. It's like 28 hours, bless God. And I don't do well with five-hour flights, do I? It's a long time to be on a plane. So I committed to him. I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to do it. Next year, you know, we'll set it up sometime. I'll find out when my schedule's good. You set it up with your people. And bless God, I'm going to do it. How I many you know once I did it now, the Lord's working on the inside of me and showing me different things and explaining to me different things and giving me more peace than I had. But until I made the decision... There was always this, I'm gone. I ain't gone over there. You know, I mean, think about it. Close your eyes and think of Africa. I see three guys running around with bones in their noses and one guy with a spear. And maybe I'm going to be dinner. Come on, ain't that what, I've never been to Africa. I don't know what to expect in Africa, but all these thoughts from the movies and all that stuff is what you think. And other things are going to have to be released a little bit. And I've never dealt with anybody who's got to repeat after me because I don't know their language before. I mean, I think that would be tough for me, but, you know, if God says I can do it, then bless God, hallelujah, I can do it. So say, I need to make a decision. decision. All right, go to 2 Samuel 24.
All right, 2 Samuel 24, look at verse 11. It says, For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus says the Lord, I offer thee three things. Choose thee one of them, that I may what? says, David, I'll tell you what, there's some options out there. You just choose any one of these, and I will what? If you make a choice, David, if you just make a final decision between the three, instead of saying, well, I should do that. No, I should do that. No, I should do that. If you make a quality decision to pick one of them, what will I do? He will do it. Notice, when you make decisions in your life, the Bible says, ask, and you shall. Well, if I ask then, make a decision to ask, what should happen? The Bible says, if you draw near to God, he will. Oh, God, you're just so far away from me. I don't know what to do. Make a decision to draw near to God, and what's going to happen? Notice, it's always our step first. We keep thinking God has the first step, but we have the first step. The Bible tells you to lay hands on the sick, and so I'm going to make a quality decision when I run into sick people who look like they need healing and want prayed for. I'm going to lay hands on the sick, and what's going to happen? The Bible says if you'll just confess your sins, he's faithful and just to and cleanse you from all. So whose move is it? So I make a decision. Every time I step out of line, every time I mess up, every time I say something that's not right, I immediately confess my sin. Why? Because he's faithful and just to forgive me my sin. What am I making? A decision, praise God, to repent whenever I need to repent. Whenever I get tired and weary, the Bible says he will give me strength. So what am I going to do? I'm going to choose strength in my life, praise God. Hallelujah. So we need to choose. We need to choose you can never sort of want to be something and be it. You can never be wishy-washy about the things in your life. If you want to get debt-free, then get serious about it. Say, that's it, bless God. I'm done. I am debt-free. And God will say, cancel those two credit cards. You're just like, oh, my God. <laughs> Did I say that? I think I was just wondering. No. He will show you ways where you're faltering, where you're making a mistake, where you're doing things. I mean, we want to read all these world help books or whatever, self-help. Just go to the Word of God, make that commitment, and let the Holy Ghost bring to pass the things that are in your life because God is on your side. So once again, they come by faith. Say by faith. And here's another thing. Oh, stop blaming your problems on somebody else. Well, I invested money in that thing, and it went under, and I don't like that guy. I'd have a bunch of money if I just wouldn't invest it, and he told me to invest. It was still your decision. Maybe you should have prayed in tongues just a little bit longer. Come on, and it's nobody's fault but your own fault. It's entirely up to you. God wants to deal with you personally to make the right decision, to make the proper financial decisions. It's, it's better than going round and round your whole life. You run into people who are 20 and born again, and they're in debt. You hit them at 40, they're born again. See, when we moved in this building and everything else, I didn't want to pay it off when I was 88. See, I wasn't starting as a 20-year-old. I was starting at a 45-year-old. If I'm going to pay it off for 30 years, I'm looking at 75, 76, 77 before I pay the thing off. And that's 30 years of a burden to me. And I wasn't going to put up with that, praise God. So I went after it. I attacked it. Sometimes you've got to attack things in your life, praise God. you just got to get mad at those things. And you've got to do whatever it takes to do. And I don't care if we put down an extra $50 on our mortgage. Bless God, it was a tack. It was a sucker punch, you know. And then 100 came in. And there's times our money got so short, it just wasn't there. And I said, hey... I made a decision, bless God, and I'm pressing in. And one November, we hardly had any money at all. We're getting into Christmas time. And all at once, at the post office, they had Carry of the Year Award. Amen. I think it was $500 to the Carrier of the Year. We had about 60, 70 carriers in our office. They came out the next morning and said, everybody voted in here. And Carry of the Year Award and $500 in this plaque go to Tom Karras. I said, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very, very much. 
thank you. I'll take that. Thank you very much. <laughs> Praise God. Why did you get that? Because I made a quality decision a long time ago to get rid of debt in my life, to get rid of these things in my life. And bless God, I'm sticking by it. And God's helping me and showing me how to change things and showing me how to do things and show me how to do this thing. So a year later, they had another contest. Guess what it was? Carry the year award. <laughs> so everybody voted again. They called everybody out and they said, we have a $500 reward in the front. And it goes to Tom Karras. So thank you very much. <laughs> Come on, what's the chances of that? Come on, everybody's going to say, I ain't voting for that clown again. He got it last year. Come on, you know how it is. We already gave that bozo 500 bucks. I ain't giving me 500 more. But he said, I mean, I was shocked. Tom Kerr said, thank you. You know where that's going. Here it comes, devil. Right at my mortgage, baby. I'm going to hit you with it 500 bucks right in the nose, praise God. And we hit it hard, and pretty soon we were out of debt one place, out of debt another 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 place. And then the economy falls apart. And all at once, I've got no more debt, but I've got collateral in houses and stuff, and I can do a home equity line of credits in those houses and buy properties that they're giving away right now. I mean, back in 2000, what was it, 12, 10, 11, 9, 8? They're giving properties away. They're giving $240,000 townhouses away for 50 grand. And how many know God was preparing me the whole time? See, this didn't start the day before things fell apart. This didn't start two weeks before. This started at the basic beginning where I said, I'm not going to live in debt my whole life, and I'm going to do. Did we have to go without some things? Yes. Did we, did we, do we not have the, the nine-bedroom, six-bath house in a guard-gated community that a minister should have, praise God, and still paying that off? No, we got a three-bedroom, two-bath on a corner house, 1,200 square feet, but we are very happy there with a swimming pool in the back, praise God, so it don't make any difference. And at one time, it got real small when we had two boys. They moved out. Now it is huge. All kind of room in that house now, praise God. I got two bedrooms wide open. I, I, mean, I got everything all at once. It's like it's shrunk and then a boom, it blew up again, praise God. But notice, it's a quality decision in your own I made a quality decision to have a good marriage. It's promised me in the Bible. God wants me to have one. Then I'm going to make a decision to have the darn thing. And then the Holy Ghost came in. And once again... Why did I make this stupid decision? All at once, it's lay down your life for her. Oh, my God, are you sure? I'm not Jesus, you know. You know, you can even use that stuff on God. Well, that was Jesus, you know. He says, I know. But see, once you make that quality decision, the Spirit of God is going to get to work in your life. He's going to start changing the way you think, the way you operate, the way you do things. And pretty soon things are going to start lining up with the kingdom of God. And once you get in that position, lined up with the kingdom of God, there ain't no stopping finances there ain't no stopping peace there ain't no stopping favor there ain't no stopping joy there ain't no stopping everything in your entire life because now you're lined up and you're in that little tunnel there where the rivers of God are coming in your life and changing every single area of your life hallelujah the Bible if you read it and read your inheritance it says you're anointed this morning you're anointed why it's part of your inheritance you are anointed the anointing is the power of God that's on your life and in your life and as soon as you say that's it I'm anointed and I'm going to operate and work in that anointing as soon as you say that slowly God's going to let you use that anointing a little bit here a little bit there you're going to learn a little bit more about it a little bit more how to operate and what to say what not to say how to react how not to react all these things but it won't do it if you're praying for the anointing hoping someday you get the anointing I wish I had the anointing how are you going to operate in something you don't even think you have See, so I'm going to take my inheritance, praise God. Peace. He says he gave you the, the peace that passes all under. You've already got peace. Oh, Lord, give me peace, give me peace. And your mind's going, hmm, you can't get no peace. See, so I say, praise God, I decide to live in peace. No matter what happens in my life, I am going to live in peace. Joy. He told me I got a joy that no man can taketh from me. So I'm not going to let no man taketh. 
my joy from me. I'm going to walk in joy, praise God. I'm a joyous person. I'm the, you get in a bad situation, say, I'm just so joyous. It's unbelievable, praise God. I, I shock myself sometimes. I'm so peaceful and I'm so joyful. And my God, am I anointed. Look out. Don't get too close to me because something's going to get you. You're probably going to be changed. Your hair's going to stand up on your arms for 24 hours probably. You get too close to me. You've got to watch that because I'm anointed, praise God. And I'm a man of faith and I'm a man of power, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. See, you've you got to understand what he's already given us in order to partake of it. You've got to receive it. You receive it through faith. You receive your inheritance. It belongs to you. Then it starts to operate in your life. I've had many pastors that I've ran into who want to flow on the Holy Ghost so bad, but don't even believe he's there. See, when I come on, I pray for him to anoint me. I beg for him to anoint me. I said, keep praying, keep begging. They're going to do you no good. Just walk out and say, praise God. Thank God for the anointing that he gave me today. And I'm going to operate in that anointing. I'm going to hear his voice when I operate. And that's when you start hearing his voice when you're ministering to people. Different areas you can tack in their life. Different things you Because now you're in the Holy Ghost. Otherwise, you get people who have to conjure up. Ever ran into a pastor who has to push you down? Come on. And in Jesus' name, be healed. Oh, they went down. Come on. Jesus, there they go, praise him. Get your foot up. <laughs> Come on, why is that? It's because they do not believe in the power of God in their own life to do the job that the anointing will do in their life. When you start believing these things, things will shock you. I mean, one day you'll just believe it and you'll reach out to somebody and they'll fall down and you'll say, what the heck? Oh, that's right, I'm anointed. I forgot all about, I forgot all about it there for a second, but I have the anointing of God on the inside of me. So receive your inheritance. Let's grow up. Come on, into the things of the God, praise God. Let's grow up into what he's given us. Let's let, pray that prayer in Ephesians 1.18 for yourself. That you get a revelation of the inheritance that belongs to you in this natural realm. Then start agreeing with things. And, you know, basically we were told that we're supposed to deny things. That was, that was stay out of pride. Don't say you're anointed. Don't say you're righteous. Don't say you're... God doesn't like that. Well, God did that, see? That's not true. We want to do it by faith, and faith is simply agreeing with God. So every one of you in here this morning are full of the peace of God. Every one of you are full of the joy of God this morning. Every one of you have an anointing on the inside of you that God wants to use, whether you're teaching, preaching, whatever you're doing, to be a housewife or be anything. But you have to claim that thing first that belongs to you, and it'll be released on the inside of you. You start claiming that you're healed, and your days, we've been doing it on a Wednesday night, your days of sickness and disease are over forever, and he's going to show you how to live in divine health. Don't get Dr. Joe's book, Dr. Frank's book, Dr. Seymour's book, and read the thing. Find out what the Holy Ghost Come on now. And if he says read Dr. Seymour's book, then read the thing, but go to the Holy Ghost first, and he'll probably say, well, let's see where you can make some adjustments. Come on. You know, and it may be just something minor. A lot of times it's not that much, but there's little areas of our life that we don't know that we're doing wrong things in. Well, the Holy Ghost, that's what he's for. He's to lead and guide you into all truth. And sooner or later, you'll come out of that, and you'll come out of that, and you'll come out of that. And pretty soon, you'll be walking in divine health. Pretty soon, you'll be walking in the peace of God. Pretty soon, you'll be walking in the joy of God. Pretty soon, you'll have the anointing of God on your life, praise God. Pretty soon, you'll be attracting some people and repelling others. Because some people like the anointing, and some people do not like the anointing. Hallelujah. Because the anointing equals change. Glory to God. So find out what your inheritance is. Read this book. Get some note cards if you want. That works. Write down whatever belongs to you in the thing. Keep them in front of you. Learn what belongs to you. And talk in line with. Say talk in line with. See, whatever, whatever you do, you can stay in your prayer time for 15 minutes and claim all this stuff. But on your daily talk and walk, what are you doing? That's where the key is because that's when you're down to earth. That's when you're not thinking. Basically, you're just doing it. Hallelujah. All right, jump up this morning. 
or just stand up, either one. Some of you don't, don't want to jump, that's fine. Hallelujah, glory to God. Hey, it's, it's good to be in the kingdom of God, no matter what people tell you. The Christian life is hard, no, only if you're stupid. Come on, let's face it. I mean, God didn't make this life to be hard. He made this life so that we could walk in the things of God and, and grow up and be powerful and live in peace and joy. I mean, how many of you like it when your kids are happy? Praise God. You do, don't you? Well, he's the same way. He wants us happy. He wants us peaceful. He wants us joyful. He loves us so very much. And when you make a mistake, just reproof and correction. Change. Change a little bit. Father, I thank you for your Holy Ghost. I thank you for the word that you brought forth this morning. Spirit of God, now in, inside of each and every person here, continue to minister to them. Show them where they need, number one, to make a quality decision in different areas of their life. It's probably not just one area. My God, it's probably a whole book. A whole book of areas. You show them, Holy Ghost, where they need to make that decision. This is it. My days of sickness are over. My days of lack are over. My days of getting angry are over. My days of getting upset. My days of worry are over. My days of fear are over. Whatever they are, Father, I thank you. They're making that quality decision today. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for backing up your will in their life, which is the decision that they are making right now. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, for changing us, growing us up to be strong in the things of the Lord and in the power of your might. We give you praise and glory for all you're doing through your word and your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you for listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.